slide up to four in this series, post-ascension warnings. Uh, we may be backtracking just slightly on this. Oh, and we need this microphone. Um, John, would you take this microphone back to Dr. Lemons, please? Oh, and you got coffee in your hand, so maybe Matthew. I didn't know Matthew could move that fast. <laughs> All right. Good thing we haven't already replaced the carpet. That's all I'm saying, you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Demons promote division in the church. Now, you need to understand that that doesn't always mean false teaching. We, we covered that last, well, two weeks now. By the way, next week I'm also away. This is my travel time. That's probably the last Sunday I'll be away this year. Uh, there is a situation in a church, and they're needing some help, but right now I'm saying I'm going to do that in the middle of the week. Regardless, thank you for your patience. Uh, there won't be a teacher here. You can go upstairs. You can worship at Starbucks, but do not go home. You have children downstairs. When we talk about division in the church, it's not always false teachers. Sometimes it's because preferences. Uh, a preference could be, for example, I've had people say, why do we have Bible classes after worship? My response is they had it that way before I showed up, and I'm not driven to change things unless I have a solid reason to change them. And some people will bring up reasons. I'm going, you know, there are also other reasons to put it here. Let's not let this be an issue. You can go to some churches, and the songs are the division. Others, it's the minister. You know, they want somebody who is, doesn't have questionable uh, legal residency status, perhaps. <laughs> so they, they want a, a, a different accent in the pulpit. Or you get the point. Divisions can be not just over false doctrine. It can be over a hundred little things that just get on our nerves. Because it's not the big thing normally. It's the little thing that keeps wearing you down. And I got to admit that if ever, uh, and I've said this, I always try to cover it by saying, I am not judging the genre of music. It just doesn't speak to me. It's not been a part of my history or my people. But when I hear Southern gospel done with super enthusiasm, it just, I ain't got nothing. You know, to me, it is a cross between Jimmy Swaggart Ministries and Lawrence Welk. And I'm thinking, I thought I was white, but dude, that's white. Um, and, but it's obvious there's a market for it because it feeds the people's soul. So I could, if I was in a church that that's what they did, I would have to make a decision, wouldn't I? Now, you might think, well, you could just go somewhere else. Here's the thing, Nashvilleians. In most places in the world, there's not another church of Christ to go to. You're going to have to, to jump uh, denominational lines. In my opinion, and in Alexander Campbell's opinion, by the way, that's not a problem. But for many COC born and raised, that's a problem. And they got to drive 60 miles to find somebody to sing something else. If, if that, if they can even find that. So it becomes a point of division when people don't have that many other choices. So just be aware, the devil will be whispering in your ear, I don't like that. This doesn't help me. This doesn't. 
Instead, it might go, it might do you some good to instead of, you know, the tune and the bounciness, you know, because some of the tunes and the bounciness are really awful. You know, I, I love the words for, you know, uh, he, he paid it all. Tune is abysmal. I'm sorry, it's just wrong. You know, my precious Savior suffered pain and agony. It really hurt. He bled a lot. You know, um, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. And I have found myself before saying, I will concentrate on the poetry of the words. Other songs, I've had to say, I will concentrate on the beauty of the harmonies because the words are, are not helping me here. You can find a way to be at peace or you can always look for a way to be aggravated. It's really up to you. Every day laying before you is a whole stretch of things to get upset about. But you don't have to. It's optional. Uh, anything you got? Or you want me to move on? Demons take advantage of unresolved anger. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Let me be a shrink again. Anger is a God-designed emotion for you to deal with something that is wrong. If you do not deal with it, but if you merely stew on it and let it take up residence in your life, it becomes bitterness, and that will kill you. If you are angry and refuse to forgive somebody else, you are not punishing them. You are hurting yourself. Period. I've had people act like, I'm holding a grudge against them. That'll teach them. What will that teach them? Well, let's say they ask my forgiveness, then I just won't be around them. They might look upon that as a feature, not a bug of your plan this might be working for them. You're just hurting yourself. I've been, this has been a few years ago, but I have a relative who to this day will not buy a Japanese or German car because World War II. I'm going, you know, like most of your friends, all the people who did that sort of thing are dead. Um, if it's a better car for you, buy a better car. You're not hurting them. They're not, they're not in Toyota on the 51st floor going, we still can't get Steve. <laughs> you're, just, you're just hurting yourself here. Let the anger go or better, anger is an energy. Go do something with it. Now, may I caution you and, and drop into the horrible fiery pit of politics at the same time. In scripture, if I see a poor person and that upsets me, I am supposed to take care of the poor person. What, what I have, I'm supposed to share, sacrificially share. By the way, if right now in your head you're going, but what if they're just taking advantage? That's what the devil likes to do to you. Stop it. Stop it. If you go to heaven, God's not going to look at you and say, you just kept giving money to people because they said they were poor. No, he'll be cool. You'll be good with that. So, the Bible does not say, go to your rulers and make a law that they tax your neighbors to pay the poor person. Too many Christians don't do charity because they think, well, we vote for the right people and they make the laws and the laws are... Really? What, when you do that, what you're doing is authorizing force against your neighbors if they disagree. 
don't authorize force against your neighbors. You do it. You take care of it. Therapist friend of mine actually wrote a book where he brought in, we, all, we have all seen it, we've all seen it, but he actually put it in the book. He said where a guy came in saying, you know, he woke up that morning, he was pretty happy, but on the way here, he saw a poor a homeless guy off the street and he began to think, that could be me, you know, I'd lose my job a couple of weeks. He's sitting there, he's all depressed. Finally, the counselor leaned over and goes, what did you do with the homeless guy? And he goes, I, I didn't do anything. He said, that, that's, that's the way to avoid the depression is to go take care of what you see. You saw it, and instead you made it all about you. It's not all about me. Yes, sir. Uh, Patrick, in the top one there, Pomori Vision, the, the, Satan's MO is to deceive, divide, and destroy. Yes. It begins with an individual or with a couple. Deception, and then there's division, and then destruction. And the second thing about music is, it's really interesting. First Corinthians eleven twenty seven says that any one of you hath a hymn. Mm -hmm. And first of all, their singing then was very different than ours. Yes, it was. It was, it was a kind of a chanting, actually. Right, an antiphonal and, sort of yes, thing. Yes, uh, antiphonal, right. Um, we have, um, anybody else been in one of these churches? When I was raised, and you heard from the sermon what kind of reason that was, two light bulbs away from being on mission. Um, we didn't think anybody would was actually going to make it to heaven, but we were going to get closer than the others, get a good view. Um, the, uh, we, if, if, let's say, Harding were to send a chorus, we probably wouldn't accept them, but if Fried Hardeman were sending a chorus, we couldn't let them sing during worship. No, 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 no. You have a closing prayer. You have to have a closing prayer to let God know we're not worshiping anymore. Now, let them sing hymns. When do you get to tell God you're stopping worship? You know, God, we're taking a break now. Um, I, I, by the way, I don't swing all the way the other way either. I don't believe that everything you do is worship. I hear that all the time. People saying, you know, everything we do is worship. No, no. I will admit, I mean, even eating, it can be different. Eating cake, I'm worshiping. Broccoli, no. No, probably not. Um, sitting on my deck reading a book, I'm thankful to God. Uh, out in the yard mowing, no, I'm, I'm complaining. I am talking to God, but I, I always bring up to him, this is, this is a fault. Uh, it should grow four inches and stop. I mean, this, this should have been, this is, this is a fairly simple DNA fix. I'm not really sure what's, you know, and we have that discussion, and God hasn't killed me, which proves he's a God of mercy. Um, demons lead us away from pure devotion. We're sticking right with politics here. I was back in America for about six months. Um, wait, that's easy to misinterpret. It wasn't like I was here for six months in a way. We'd moved to America. Now, after, about six months after we'd moved to America, uh, we had a friend from Scotland come over and was, was beside us, and it came to July 4th. And they sang all kinds of, because they're in the book, you know, my country tested thee, and God bless America, and the like. And my, my friend looked over at me, and he goes, what, what am I supposed to do here? And I looked over, and I said, I'm not really sure. Um, we were singing hymns of thanks to God for our nation. Is that appropriate? Absolutely. But you need to be aware of where you are that you're not locking somebody else out. Especially if you're singing, my country tested thee, because we sing that, team, that tune for 
God save the queen. <laughs> it's always, always want to launch into that about the third verse, see what happens. Um, but really, you, you should pray God save the queen too, because look who's, you know, Charles. <laughs> uh, Charles isn't going to make it. We, they, 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 I say we like I was there. Uh, uh, rules were made. Uh, he, he's, he's out of the line now. So everybody took a deep breath. But you can be so devoted to your country that you wrap Jesus in the flag. And that's a problem, whether it's a British flag or an American one. My country, right or wrong, you've heard those people. Um, we want people to act like a good American so they'll be Christian. That's a problem. By the way, the world's worst at this were the British during the British Empire. Absolutely, we were the worst. We'll shoot you, enslave you, and throw you into prison, and treat and call you awful names unless you become Christian, and then we'll treat you marginally better. I mean, that was the British Empire. So I'm not acting like this is an American issue. It's a human thing. We can become so devoted to our church. The staff has talked about this for a while. I just want you to pray about this. We're wondering, well, I'll just... We use an expression in staff so often that when somebody does something of grace or kindness or there's a unity thing, we'll say, that is so Fourth Avenue. And we began to ask ourselves, are we not giving praise to Jesus, but praise to our brand? How should we phrase this? So we're working on it. Because fact is, I love Fourth Avenue. This is my happy place. I need to find a way, however to make sure that my devotion to Christ is not impure. Um, the way I mean that is, if Fourth Avenue were to blow up tomorrow, which is not going to because we love each other, if it were to blow up tomorrow, and then I lose my faith, what's happened? My faith wasn't in Christ, was it? What happens when Patrick sends? Uh, I've had people for years say, you, used to, you cut yourself down too much. You use too much self-deprecating humor. One, British, we do that. Two, you know, watch Mon Monty Python if you can. If you're my wife, don't. Because she's just going, this makes no sense. I'm going, you're exactly right. Now leave the room and I shall watch this disapprovingly. If you hear laughter, it's, it's merely ironic. Anyway, um, so self-deprecating humor, that's part of who we are. But there's another reason. Anybody who puts me on a pedestal is merely setting me up for a harder fall. Every sin you have, let's just assume I'm tempted by it too. Yes. Well, we did. Um, that was the first of our classes. And Albert has a view on that and I have a view on it. And Campbell had a different view, so uh, I'll let you launch in. You know, I'm confident that Campbell could not be correct on that because the billions of evil men who died didn't know a thing about God. Well, let's, let's back up a little bit because he doesn't know. Campbell thought demons were the beings or um, spirits, the spirits, spirits of, of evil men. Yes. Okay. But the first miracle, for instance, in Mark that Jesus did... The demons knew him. They had had a former battle with him. And they said, Jesus, our son of David, if you come beforehand to torment us. Meaning that uh, they had had an encounter. And I believe they are the spirits of the Nephilim. He believes the Nephilim in scripture, uh, the descendants of them are demons. In my opinion, the demons are angels who once were as pure and wonderful as other angels. 
but they followed Satan's lead, and a third of them in Scripture were told fell, but it, and so on. It seems that, yes, there are, there are five different words in the Great New Testament about the levels of angels, and you're right. Yes. Another question I want to ask before you leave that chart up there, 11.3, explain to us how that, as Satan beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be turned or corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. From the simplicity that is in Christ. What happens if we require Jesus and before we'll fellowship? Very well. Jesus and you take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. I always love it because they always point to Acts chapter 20 when they took the Lord's Supper on the Monday. Do the time. Check it out. Graph out the chapter. And also Acts chapter 2, and it says they took it every time they gathered. But no, Jesus and, and Jesus and, for example, the grape juice has to be grape juice. Or Jesus and, singing has to be a cappella. Jesus and, you see the point? We're led away from pure devotion to Christ. When we can say, as I have heard said, that Mother Teresa is in hell because she was a Catholic, I've got some serious issues Amen. with that statement. Um, if she's in hell because she's a Catholic, I'm going to hell because I don't love people as much as she does. I mean, come on, you pay your money, it takes your choice. Yeah. And it is hard. The demon thing, we're on three different pages. So, yes. Well, let me talk to you about that. Uh, the question was, he doesn't have a mic. People today can be demon-possessed. There, um, there is not a phrase in Scripture that equates to the English demon possession. The closest you can get to it is more of a being demonized. It's more of a being harassed. Obsessed, obsession rather than possession. Obsession, exactly, well phrased. So... The devil is continually twisting and pushing and poking and poking and just that sort of thing. But does he own you? Well, this is where everybody goes, well, I'm going to launch and say, well, no. He can if you let him. Uh, I have met people who played with the occult long enough where I think he's got their territory. And Paul says, back to that bitterness thing, don't let bitterness in. That root of bitterness he talks about the devil building strongholds in our brains because we gave him the real estate. And therefore, he can own us with our permission, but possession, uh, as it is meant in English, uh, that's not a Greek thing. It's more of a harassment, an attack. Yes. Oh, that's a, that's a fantastic question. Um, is the war in the heavenlies between good and evil, can that ever be embodied within our body? I, at one level, uh, Randy, I'm going to have to say it's in my body every day. Um, the fight to not step across a line and be evil. 
with me mainly it's not um, it's not a physical evil it's more of a mental evil a lack of love a demotion of another person to subhuman or less worth because of their politics or because of their behavior or because of some other choices that they've made uh, I'm as I've told you before I believe my besetting sin or at least one of them is my tendency to judge most of the time I'm able to corral that inside and work on it before it comes outside but sometimes I do not and I become a real jerk and I've, I've had to fight that all my life. I always tell people I'm a recovering legalist. I disapprove of 12 things a day just to stay in practice. I'm aware that war is going on within me. Here's another one. The way I was raised, it would be very easy for me to speak against the church that raised me. But I'll bring up the faults. But as you heard me say, they're going to heaven. Amen. They're going to heaven. And I kid about my dad. I'll say he won't like it the first two weeks. but And I kid because he's going to rejoice as soon as he sees Jesus. Period. But yes, that war. Now, I don't know if this is where you're circling to or not. And, and, and if it isn't, I apologize. Can that look anything like the movies? Yeah. Yeah, it can. I have been through what, I hate to use the term, exorcism because what movies proclaim uh, others will call it a deliverance ministry i don't like that either because a lot of the people that do deliverance ministries are also the people that are always asking you to send money in to support their ministry on tv so it seems like the devil's ruined all the words how much of this do you want to know <laughs> one of one young man that was a theological student had to also he was had a minor in psychology uh, actually it's double major so he had to have had to go into a shrink's office and observe but since he was theology as well he and I had had many talks and he talked about demon possession he says is that an old thing and I said I want to show you something there's a lady coming in and I'm going to introduce you for what you are you are a psychology student that has to observe a certain number of hours I do not want you to move. I do not want you to give any facial cues. I want you to sit there quietly and calmly observe. And uh, we worked on that. This took a while, but he, he understood. And I said, at certain points during this hour, I want you to, quiet, inside, giving no sign, pray to God. He said, about what? I said, I don't care. Just pray to God. And watch what happens. Every time her face would change. And it was just, it was eerie the way her head would turn over and look at it. And then after a while, it would kind of blink and she's back and she's looking at me. Afterwards, he said, that's when I stopped. He actually quit psychology. He said, if this is going on, I don't really want to. And I said, you know something? You need to understand that. As Nietzsche said, <laughs> I like to quote atheist. If you look into the darkness... The darkness looks back. You have to be aware of what you're doing. So yes, and I could go on, but there, there's a sample. All right. Yes. Patrick, the, on exactly where you are in the in the metaphor of a house is really a heart. That when demons are expelled or when enemy is removed, that vacuum will be filled, and it must be replaced with something that's positive and good. Mm -hmm. That's that's that, that's the other side of that battle, in my opinion. 
You're absolutely right. And I, I think the clearest illustration of that is addiction. People will go through rehab, and then when they come out, they've not replaced this. And so they go into the same old friend, same old neighborhood. And people will say, well, they failed. Well, you know something? I'm not sure that all of us didn't fail them somehow by not getting them into a new place with new friends. So I'm not going to blame the victim here. But again, um, has this answered? Or do you, if you have a follow-up, I'm always willing to go where, where you want to go. I do that. But it was a beautiful arc. Rainbows are arcs. Okay, I see where you are. Do we have an obligation to stand up against those that are doing evil? And, and my response to this seems awfully wishy-washy, um, and that is that depends. For example, am I going to, how many times have you heard me in this pulpit, um, assume there's a pulpit there, um, preach against your sins? Well, the answer is going to be none. I, the Bible, I will preach against sin. Do I go after a person? The scripture, Jesus could not be plainer. You wait till you're clear before you start going around pointing out others. Another illustration which has been used so many times, people wonder if it's really true, and it really is. I get to hang out with federal officers a dead week ago in San Antonio. Uh, they were not Secret Service, but Secret Service does not study counterfeit money. They study real money so well at such a level that they can spot anything that isn't. If you study counterfeit money, they will always, you know, that better idiot, they'll always find a better way to counterfeit. So you, you study real money. So not, I do not walk around pointing out people's sins to them. Instead, I walk around and tell them about Jesus because he shines a light on all of us. Now, when I said that depends, a man breaking into my house with evil intent toward me or my, my loved ones, I will withstand them uh, the best I can. A good friend of mine's a big guy, and I don't want to give away more than I need to, but he, um, he, he reached out to some of us this weekend. He's a big guy. And he was in a restaurant or a diner of some sort, when a couple of men were talking about the current um, problem with uh, Supreme Court nomination, and there's so much going on wrong here that just breaks my heart. Um, it's, but I won't go further because I, I don't want you to lose the point. And when the waitress came over, evidently she was in her 70s, according to my friend, that was his take on it, and she told, because they were being very loud, and she told them, that, well, she'd had, she had another point on it. They became abusive toward her. And it kept going every time she came by. They were, they were just being abusive. Well, my friend, I'm going to call him Bob because it's not even close to his name. Bob stood up. Now, when Bob stands up, it takes a while. Because 
And he walked over and, and did the leaning over. Well, they actually challenged him to a fight. Take it outside. And he said, I will go with you outside. Because they kept throwing, I mean, it was awful. Somebody had already called the police. Police had not shown up yet. That's how disruptive these men were being. He said the police showed up. But when he left, he actually went around the block to see if they were still there. And he said, I want you to pray for me because in my heart, I really wish they were. He said, I, I, felt, I felt a need to go at them. Well, I think he was caught in that middle. We do stand up to protect somebody behind us. I've often been asked, well, how can your family be military? How can you work with law enforcement? Because if you... Um, you know, don't you, you're supposed to love the man coming through the door with an axe. I do. But I also love the people behind me. And in that situation, we are to withstand evil. And the Bible talks, and when Peter says, and we may not get to the Peter passage today, I really thought we would. When he, he talks about us always having an answer. I've had that used. We need to be able to debate this, debate that, doctrine, debate. No, when Peter says that, he means Christ. Have enough Christ in you to answer with Christ. So um, this never happened, I don't think. Um, but I've, I've always loved the story of the Amish man. Amish people are pacifists. I don't know if you're aware of that, but they are. That, that is a huge part of their doctrine and something I admire about them. I'm not a pacifist, but I truly admire the way they hold to it. And the story is told that a burglar was breaking in and uh, he came down with a shotgun and pointed it at him and the guy goes, you guys are pacifists. And he goes, I, yes, I am a pacifist, but you need to be aware that I'm about to shoot where you are standing. <laughs> well, again, I don't think an Amish person did that. But do we withstand evil? Here's the thing. We use that as a launching pad then to denigrate others. And what is the first thing God hates? proud look you better watch yourself when you start throwing about the sins of the Baptists and the sins of the Catholics and sins about those um, I'm getting all Irish when I talk about the Protestants right those proddies down the road oh, you know they don't love Jesus and then the, the, the Protestants are over here going oh them Catholics with them pointy hats and the like I don't want anything to do with that and they're just what, what are you doing what, there's no Jesus there there's no Jesus be careful uh, that's all. And uh, the Irish people are lovely folk. <laughs> I'm half Irish. My mom's Irish. And she would say I'm 50% I'm, I'm a good person. Um, my dad, a Highlander, would disagree. Anyway, um, pure devotion. That's the whole thing. Remember, it doesn't have to be to a false doctrine. It can be to your people, your way. I, mean, I was at a church years ago. When a lady just kind of motioned me over, an older lady, and if you remember when I was a kid, older, you know, something completely different than it is now. And I walked over, and she goes, um, I just want you to know I'm a founding member of this church. So I looked at her, and because I have the reputation I can get away with stuff like this, I looked at her and I said, really? So tell me, Paul, was he was really a nice guy? And she just looked at me, and I, we were able to have a kind conversation. I've been told a lot of people can't get away with what I'm saying. I'm, still, I'm surprised I'm alive as well. Uh, let's, let's go to the next one. She thought, well, this is my church. 
they lead us into compromising situations, just remember the devil's got all the time in the world. He can, he can work on you for 30, 40, 50 years. Well, I wanted to come back over here on one other thing. And this, was not, um, this is on the ark. This isn't where you had it. I, most demons are just annoying. The whispering, the poking. Kind of like your, your sister in the back seat of the car. Just, I'm touching the air around you. You know, that sort of thing. Um, another little story. Um, I, one morning, this has happened many times, but I'm just thinking about it. One morning, I woke up and everything was going just a bit wrong. You know, kids spill the cereal. You stub your toe on a chair. You get your papers and they, pff, they're all over the floor. And it just, it was happening to Cammy too. Getting frustrated. Came out, put stuff in, and twice dropped my keys as I'm just trying to unlock the door. And I just put everything down. And I said, right. I don't know who you are, and I don't know what's going on here, but you need to understand something. This house belongs to Jesus, and so does everybody in it. You have no place here. In the name of Jesus, but I never, never, never cast them or order them. Never. You let Jesus do this. I say, in the name of Jesus, be bound. That means don't talk to me anymore. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. This is Jesus' territory, not yours. And everything went, walk back in, everything's going well for Cammy too. It's usually just annoying. But if you don't recognize it, you go to work angry, and what do you do? You bite and snarl. Or you do it in traffic. And then a gun gets pulled out. There's, there's no need for this. Demons lead you into compromising positions. Just always remember, if I take this step, if I make this thought, how far is this going to take me? I best watch myself. Uh, and put in rules. You know, they actively discourage us. Um, I cannot remember the author who said that he believed that if we ever saw Satan's toolbox, the most worn tool in there would be discouragement. And I'm not sure if I would say the same thing or not, but I don't think I can disagree either. Isn't discouragement tough? It is. Um, can I push a bit? Um, discouragement about what? How about discouragement with God? You prayed for a healing, didn't happen. Prayed that your kid wouldn't be an addict anymore, and they went back to it. You prayed that you'd have a lovely time at pilgrimage. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm laughing, but I feel for them. Some people paid $400 for these tickets. I'm assuming they're getting some money back. But how miserable is that? Uh, just, and, and I know it's, 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 you know, middle Tennessee Woodstock, and so it's a bit different. You know, the only drugs being passed around are Advil and sunburn cream, but it's still, you know, I, I find humor in things because if you don't, you cry. And I, my, I do hurt for them and their plans and, and, and the bands that are going to lose money as well. But discouraging, we can get upset at God. How are you going to deal with the fact that you're discouraged. One of the things I do is remind myself continually of the two facts in the universe. Number one, there is a God. Number two, Patrick isn't him. I am a creature, not the creator, and I need to remember that. Yes, please. I think verse 8 of 1 Thessalonians 5 is so wonderful. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the hope of salvation 
That's our, that is our offensive mechanism. I think I heard you, but could you say that again? Yes, I, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, it says, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and the hope. In other words, that protects the heart. There you go. That's a good point. Excellent. Of course, it's a good point. Consider the source. I thought we would finish these notes today, but we did not. Because when we hit 2 Peter, we got some work to do. There's a progression. 2 Peter, if it was preached today in almost any pulpit of almost any church, they'd be saying, Peter, you can't say that. That's not Christian. <laughs> so that'll help you read it. 